Hey, morning, Kevin. Hi, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Been a good week? It's a good week. I've reached peak lockdown of the point I desperately need a haircut, but I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> and <laughs> hopefully for anyone here, they're listening rather than watching. But anyway, <laughs> but, but all good. I'm lucky uh, my wife cut my hair two weeks ago. The problem we've got now is our dog needs a haircut. She looks like some sort of fluffy teddy bear. I'm a bit bastard wise. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Brilliant. yeah, I've, I've tried doing my own. It's not good. <laughs> so to go into today's topic, we're going to talk about books that we found useful over the years. And I think we're both definitely fans of being lifelong learners in terms of what we're doing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really kind of, we mentioned on the last episode, actually, that that mentality of never stop learning is really important. So I think let's just jump straight into it. We've both got a couple of books each that yeah. we've picked out. And um, yeah, let's just go through what we've seen as being uh, yeah, books that have maybe inspired us, changed our thinking. But yeah, do you want to kick off with your first choice? Yeah, sure. And, and because we need to limit the time, why don't we kind of like have, uh, I'll keep us on track, about kind of three minutes each, probably on a book. Yeah? Yeah, sounds good. So I'll do the first one, you do the second one. So my first book is called Getting to Yes by... William Yorey, Roger Fisher, and a guy called uh, Patton. And that's really, it's a seminal uh, negotiation book. So the reason I love it is I love negotiations. It's about a three-hour read. It's a really easy read. So I definitely recommend it to all of our listeners. So getting to yes. It's basically, it's a simple framework for negotiating better deals in anything you're doing. So anything in life, not just work, but also outside work as well. The methodology is really simple. So it's based around four core principles. So first of all, separate the people from the problem. Secondly, focus on interests, not demands or positions. Thirdly, generate options before you get to agreement. And fourthly, which I think is always forgotten, um, insist on basing the agreement on objective criteria. So let me just kind of pick apart a couple of those. Yeah, that'd be really useful. I think for our listeners, uh, and just part of our conversation is... Most people, when they negotiate, it's emotional. It's like the film. It's been emotional. And that's because we get emotionally invested in what we're doing. Great deals tend to be done where you are disengaged emotionally from what's going on. Yeah. I, I guess it's more the rational, logical Correct. way of thinking much more than... Yeah. I guess there's an element of how do you make people feel? You want to make them feel like they've got a good deal on either side, but... If you start banging the table yeah. or you start shouting, I know you are emotionally charged. Yeah. And yet we're trying to solve a problem, not your own personal... We've all got egos. So we're not addressing your ego, we're addressing the problem. It's a critical thing in negotiation. Yeah. And the last point about this always insist that the agreement's based on objective criteria. A great way to dramatically improve your negotiations from day one going forward is this. When you start negotiation, before you get into the heat of it, say, I've been thinking about this and I've got three kind of objective criteria that I'd like to use to work out if this is a good deal for us. Can I share that with you and get your view of that as well so that we've got a common view of some simple objective criteria around which we're going to base this negotiation? Yeah, I really like that. I like the element of, and this is how I try and talk with all of our clients if we're on the same team we're working towards the same goal and 
we're trying to get that together. And I, I think you're right, that starts with the negotiation. Yeah. How do you structure a deal in a way that you're both trying to achieve that objective together and there's benefits on either side, but this isn't a us against them situation. Correct. And you do that by writing out the criteria, agreeing them, and then when people drift off in the negotiation into areas which don't meet the criteria, you can bring them back to, we did agree, these were the criteria. Yeah. So it's a very simple tip. So yeah, so highly recommended to entrepreneurs, anyone really in life, you know, whether you're trying to do a deal, buy a business, or whether you're trying to get your kids to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. I do feel like something like that is a lifelong lesson. If you think, how many times are you try, are you in a negotiation in a daily basis and multiply that by weeks, months, years, reading a free hour book, that sounds like a good return on investment. If you can, you're basically helping people to get their own way a bit more. It's a pretty good return on investment. Every day, if you counted it up, you'll be doing about 10 or 20 negotiations every day. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good ROI. So that's my book. That's my first one. Uh, what's yours? Yeah, kind of following on the theme of good ROI, it's Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you read this book? I haven't, no. I think it's very good. I actually picked out a couple of quotes because it's one of those books that is as simple as it says of like the habits compound. So it's kind of comparing habits to compound interests. It's like if you want to be, if you want to run a marathon, for example, which is something that I'm supposed to be doing in October, you don't start by waking up one morning and running 26.2 miles, you run one and then you run two and then you run three. And the whole point is it's getting into that habit of what you're doing. And one quote that I think you would quite like that I wrote down is, goals are good for setting a direction, but systems are best for making progress. Yes. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Um, and there's, there's another one interlinked to that. It's like, there's a big problem, which is winners and losers have the same goals. So just having a goal doesn't mean you're going to achieve it. You need a system in order to help you to get there because Fantastic. otherwise it's just a wish. <laughs> I love it. So, so no, it's, it's all about how can you make a start in a lot of cases and making a start can be the hardest thing in order to set off to, in that direction towards what you're trying to achieve. And then there's so many examples of that, but there's, actually I should have picked this out as an example, but the, the lead and lag indicators between what you're doing. So exercise being a good example of what you're really you're not an athlete but actually if if you run every morning you become an athlete so it's all about actually what are those inputs that you're focusing on in order to get to that desired state and I, I think of this sometimes as well as another quote here that I think is really powerful but every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become no single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. I can't lie in bed in the morning and say I'm a runner, but I can get up and go for a run. And then once I've done that consistently, I might still say I'm an aspiring runner as opposed to an actual runner, but it's kind of how do you set those wheels in motion? How do you start building that identity? Because Brilliant. who you are in your head Sometimes you can get a bit lost in that. And I think actually it comes down to the actions that you take. Love it. Great book. I shall definitely be reading that for sure. It's very good. It's <laughs> a very easy to read. And there are quite a lot of one-liners a bit like that, where it's just like, it's kind of so simple, but obvious that you kind of think actually, yeah. And that's the whole point is making it easy. Going for one run is easy. 
Absolutely. But going for 30 runs, one a day, once you've done 30, it'll be habit. It'll be an ingrained habit. Yeah, I think they say it's 66 days in a row of doing something is is like chemically in your brain is then a habit that's harder to break than it is to stick to. But you getting to that 66 days is really tough. Very good. So my next one is a book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by a guy called Robert Caldini. Have you read that? I started to, and I've got a really lame excuse of why I didn't <laughs> read it, which I think I told you before, which was, I just remember the, the pages had very small prints on it. <laughs> and I think it just felt like I was treading water trying to read the thing. Yeah. And I just got to the point where I don't think I had that much time to read. So I was reading like 10 pages at a time, forgetting what I'd read before and then picking it back up. And it, I, I feel like it's one of those books I need to sit down and maybe get the audio book or something and just go through it properly. So that's a very interesting insight because my notes here say, this is a longer read. It is. It's about a six hour read. Yeah. And it's in small print and it's pretty hard going because, and the reason for that is it's a brilliant book because it's, it's basically a whole bunch of research about how do people get persuaded to do things. And it's all based around experiments that were done by psychologists So in the book, he gives all of these examples of experiments that were run and then what happens. And you talk in digital marketing about split testing. There's loads of split tests in the book. So they were trying to get this outcome and they tried two or three different things to get there. And what was the difference in the outcome? So it's a brilliant, brilliant book, but it does require a bit of, yeah, it's a sit down every weekend, get your favorite beverage, sit down and do it in two stages of three hours and you'll get through it. It's packed full of findings around the experiments. As I say, there are basically six core principles of persuasion. So I'll just like summarize them and then give you an example of a couple. So the first one is reciprocity. So it's the old give and take. Second one's about commitment and consistency. The third is called social proof. The fourth is liking. Fifth is authority. And the last one is scarcity. Now, all of these techniques apply in life, whether you are persuading someone in something personal you're doing, or in business. The key thing Caldini was was about was it's about ethical persuasion, not the unethical persuasion. Because if you took these six principles in the wrong way, you could manipulate people. And that's not what he was about. Yeah, I see that sometimes with the... uh, I can't even say the word. Reciprocity. That's the one. I'm not going to even try. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know why I can't say that word. But anyway... Yeah, sometimes you can see it a mile off when it's fake and you're not going to get anything from that. It just it just feels wrong. And I, I think yeah. at the same time, I've had people that have, I've spoken them, to them before and I've actually mentioned a book to someone I've got in mind and then it turned up in the post the day after and sent me a copy of that book. And it's like, that felt really genuine and like a nice right. thought. Whereas some people, it feels like they're just trying to do something for the sake of they want something back. And they want something back immediately. Whereas this person, and there's plenty of examples, I think, both ways of this. But if you genuinely try to help someone and you play the long game of if I help them, maybe they'll help me at some point in the future. But genuinely more, let's build a relationship and see what happens. And you know, that's how I've worked and how you've worked. I think one of the core reasons that we're, you know, we're in business together, we're friends, we do the podcast together because we both believe in giving. And one day it might come back, but if it doesn't, that's, that's okay. 
you just keep giving exactly and you do it for the right reason you don't keep a list of these of all of no. the instances of giving <laughs> that i need to get something back for in the future well, maybe some people do but it just maybe some weird. people do maybe some people <laughs> yeah. do i mean i thought authority just to end kind of like my bit on that book was interesting we do it in business all the time yo go back to those days i rattle on about kpmg the thought leader the reason we were taught to become thought leaders was because people respect authority and being a thought leader is an authoritative position to be in. And then people follow you. But it takes years to become a thought leader. Yeah, you're right. It's not one article. I mean, that's similar to the Atomic Habits. You don't become an author or a thought leader by just doing one thing. It's how do you kind of keep compounding and keep building up. So I'd recommend that to any entrepreneur. You know, understand the psychology of human behavior and how you can influence people ethically. So that was my two. So what's your last one? I had a few that I wrote down and I'm, I'm actually going to skip. I'll tell you what they were. So one is Principles by Ray Dalio, which I think is excellent. Yeah. A hard read, but brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's a hard read. There's a few that I'm thinking of that normally I don't read autobiographies or yeah, any books in that way because I found generally I don't think they're very good. But there's some that I found actually really interesting. One, I'm, I'm not even sure I'd class this as an autobiography, there's one called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey that I read over Christmas. Okay, not heard of that. Which is very good. In fact, I, maybe I'll pick that as the, the one to go into in a bit more depth. But the way it, it works is as a concept of you have different lights in your life, green, amber and red. The green lights are the ones that are obvious, it's go. You, you need to do this and just go for it. Sometimes there's amber lights where it's like, wait a minute, slow down. You need to think about this. Is this something that you should do and sometimes it's a red light where it's a no and that's something that quite clearly you shouldn't do and his point is that he's written a lot of memoirs across the years and actually since being I think like a teenager and there's some really he's just a great storyteller I actually I read this over Christmas but I had the hardback book and the audio book and I actually had I read it alongside so it's kind of almost like he was reading the book to me if that makes mm-hmm. sense but yeah, yeah. I've never actually done it that way before but I found it was just a great more entertaining way to to take in the story but his point is that all lights lead to green it's just some of the red lights that are bad for you right now that might become a green light in the future it's just a different times that, that you need to do things I think the, some of the examples he had that I thought was interesting when he put it into more of a business context is he had to unbrand himself. He was known as the rom-com actor of the 90s that was in absolutely everything. And if you needed a California, Hollywood style kind of male lead for those type of roles, he would be cast every single time for so many movies. And he got to the point that he was just like, yeah, I've done that. I'm not sure that's me. I'm not sure that's my identity. And how do you, how do you take that forward into what I want to become? So similar with the actions of, do you want your identity to be this person? You need to take actions. And for him, he was like, I'm not doing rom-coms anymore. And he got, there was an example where he got offered $8 million as a lead for being an actor in a new rom-com. And He'd gone, I think at that point in time, six to possibly even 12 months without receiving a job because he was turning all of these down. And he was like, I'm going to stick to my values. No, I'm not doing it. And then he got offered 10 million. Wow. And then he rejected it. He got offered 12 million. I think this went up to about 16 million. And I remember oh my word. in the story, he was like, 
16 million that script sounds funnier it's much better <laughs> like instantly it's it's so much more appealing but he was just actually no this this isn't what i want to do and yes the money's on the table yes i'm out of work and i need a job but like maybe not for the money but more mentally of just like getting back into doing something and it's a lot of money to turn down when you don't have work but he turned it down and then scripts eventually he said he he needed to go through that period of unbranding himself which was a number i think it was a year maybe even closer to two years of not working because otherwise people wouldn't treat him seriously for like the dallas buyers club the uh wolf of wall street role and stuff like that that later came his way because he was known as the rom-com guy so by unbranding himself and saying no to the stuff that was easy he then became a good fit for the stuff that was hard and i just thought that was a really interesting story and a lot of lessons from that there's a great kind of analogy here as well many 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 years ago a very good friend of mine who was a brilliant negotiator brilliant salesperson he said something to me and it kind of shocked me it's it's kind of stayed with me And it plays to exactly this, which is people remember you for who you were, Mm -hmm. not for who you are. Yeah. So if you've kind of, if you met someone a few years ago when you were a junior SEO and all of a sudden you, you run this agency, you meet that person again, they don't talk to you as the agency owner. They talk to you as the junior SEO person. That is true. I found that actually I was a student at a web design agency. And I think sometimes it's kind of like, wait, you're running an agency now. It's like, well, yeah, I was like 23 back then. Yeah. And it was my first job <laughs> and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But exactly. <laughs> it's like nearly 40 now. So it's kind of like times has changed. So yeah. And it's the same thing is that if, unless you rebrand yourself and you then reinforce with people what you now currently do and why you do it and your credibility of how you've done it, They will always treat you for who they knew you were. I thought it was a very interesting comment. Yeah. No, I think that's really true. So actually, I think the the effort to unbrand yourself, I've never even thought of that as a concept before, but I get why in order to chase what you really want to get to. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why that's really important. Very good. So summary. So my summary points on this, I think, you know, we can always be learning. No matter who we bump into in life, there's always someone or something we can learn from that person. And books are a great way of doing that. Secondly, you know, I love negotiations. So that getting to yes book for me, I think is a foundation stone read. So if you're in the world of negotiation, you need to read that book. It's a critical piece of work. And then the third one about influence, you know, I think all of us in business and all of us in life are trying to influence people in some way, shape or form. And to learn the principles of ethical influence, I'd highly recommend the book, albeit you need to sit down for about two sessions of three hours to get through it because it is quite challenging. Yeah. I need a good excuse to go to the beach and read a book, which is not possible right now, but hopefully later in the year, that will be back on my reading list. A couple of things from you as your thoughts. I think for me, definitely the daily habits of actually just getting into routine and doing the things that are most important. And it's about how do you... Um, I remember a story from Jerry Seinfeld that has... He has a calendar. I love for, Seinfeld. I think Brilliant. it's about writing, but he's got a calendar that he just puts an X on the calendar for every day that he writes. And then the, the theory is just don't don't break the chain. I've done it with walking through lockdown. I've, I'll do 10,000 steps a day. And I've done that for like three months running because that's my way of keeping 
active and mentally sharp, I think. Yeah, I, I think just getting into those daily habits of what do you want to do every, it doesn't have to be every day, but like at least sticking at something and plugging away without overthinking the end goal too much. Like how do you, how do you get there and enjoy the journey? And I think linked to that on the, uh, the green lights way of looking at things, I think just living by your values, who is it that you are and you want to become? And how do you use that to make the most important decisions in your life? I think is, is really important because sometimes we're all in positions where I think after a while we have the luxury and definitely classes is a luxury of we have lots of good opportunities and you need to start saying yes to good opportunities in order to chase the great opportunities. So I think, exactly. again, thinking about where do you really want to get to and how do you live by your values to take you towards that desired outcome, I think is a, a really crucial point. And there's a, some good real world examples because it's easy to say, yes, make decisions by your values. But until you put that into context of what is that scenario, what does it look like? I feel like that's where it comes together a lot more. Very good. Been great. I've really enjoyed this one. As always, it's been really good fun. Yeah, I think that's good. I feel like there's a ton of more books we could cover as a future episode at some point as well. Yeah, and we will do. In one of the kind of future episodes, we'll do another one on books that we love. Definitely. Great, Kevin, thanks. And yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Cheers.